The Broken Agenda Podcast. In. 5. 4. 3. 2. 1. Freedom! So then I, right. I always wonder, like, you know, the... Uh, what's the moonshiners or the shiners show where the yeah shiners yeah like they go out in the woods and they set up their like i wonder if it's legit how like they're filming themselves they yeah. can't be like have you ever had real moonshine i think dude it is horrific it, i don't well i remember the first time i ever had it i was at a campsite in the middle of the woods which sounds appropriate and some guy just hands me a mason jar with a peach pit floating in it and he's like it's good that's all he said. He just handed it to me and said it's good. And like, it was, there was clearly no option but to drink it. Like he wasn't taking it back until I had taken a sip. I took one sip and I woke up three days later. <laughs> I had no idea what happened. I swear I blacked out. Like I wasn't even drinking that night. It was insanity. You could smell. You could smell it in your eyes. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Like it would come up just, close to your face yep. and your eyes would burn. Like oh, yeah. I swear I, that was the one and only time I ever. I got offered it one other time and I said absolutely not. <laughs> I will never, never I mean, I, again. I don't know. I was offered moonshine, but I don't know that it would be. I can't remember. I only had it one time. Okay. But I, I don't know. It wasn't, you know, it was like worse, a little worse than grain ever clear. <sighs> yeah, it's not. It's, it's not 200, good. right? Moonshine is 200 proof. It, it depends. depends. I don't think there's, many times yeah, there's not a lot of quality control. It, yeah. It can be a, a pretty big range. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and whether I mean, you're I taking the heads or the tails of it. Or down in uh, Tennessee, in oh, Gatlinburg. Yeah? But all that moonshine's really good. I've had what they with well the apple pie, the commercialized moonshine. Yeah, some of that stuff's yeah. really good. They have all so. the flavors. Now I'm talking about hillbilly moonshine that they're making a metal still <laughs> that still you can see the rust floating in it. Yeah, we need to find some. They don't even clean that thing; it cleans itself when the alcohol <laughs> sterilizes it. Then we can have it on the show. No, Jesus no, I'm not. I told you, I'm, I'm not. I don't even drink liquor anymore. I'm sure I'm not drinking moonshine. All right, so before we get into the topic, what else? What? So we're up to like nine hobbies for you. Yeah, I know there's more. I know you've told me more. Outdoor survival skills. That's probably my favorite one. Mm, that's right. Like fire starting and and all that. Mm-hmm. So I've seen your kits. Yep. they're no joke. He's he's pretty serious about it. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Is it a smooth ten? Can we get to a dozen? Possibly a baker's dozen. Probably. Like I've even I've dabbled in like. Raspberry Pi stuff, it, like yeah. creating home appliances. I don't know what you call that, but I didn't really like it. Electronics. As you work at a tech company, you're like, yeah, that stuff it, sucks. Just, not that it sucks. It was just like, like I found the things that were purpose-driven for me, like the network-wide ad filter. Ah, okay. That's good, or the retro pie. And then I was kind of like, okay, cool. That's what these are going to serve a purpose for me. For I didn't like them either. It's, just, it's way too niche. I, I mean, I, I like the technology. I think it's great. And if I have a very purpose, uh, a very focused purpose for it, it's fine. But I'm not gonna sit down there and toy with it and like make my own weather station or something. Well, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm yet to find a purpose that I really value it for. Yeah. And the few that I have, like that, at one point we built a Raspberry Pi and we connected it to me and and uh, one of the guys at the office did this. We connected it to a big screen television, and then we tied it to a web page that we we designed that was tied to a PHP database that we could real time update and it would send updates to the television on what's going on. And it would it would lock up all the time. It would it was just like it was it wasn't yeah. a refined thing. Yep. And that's I, I don't know, maybe it's just I'm getting old, but No, and that's because I I had built my own personal cloud server with one. Like uh kind of like a OneDrive type deal. Okay. And that was cool. But then somehow I screwed it up and didn't just didn't want to restart, so I was like, all right, screw it. Yeah, it type deal. Now I get it. All right, so 
Johnny Hobby over here. Mm-hmm. So nice. if you ever need anything, let him know. He's probably probably got a master's degree in it. Or I something. think we should. I think we should write the the podcast tune. I'll get to my drums and we'll write out a tune. <laughs> what you mean with? It's been so long. I stopped playing. Really stopped playing guitar when my kids were little. Come on. Because every time I'd get it out, it was like oh, I want to do it too. And then I was like, all right, I don't have time to sit. You down don't and have do it in you to write a. I still play. You yeah, play? You yeah. You play guitar? I don't have eight guitars. I, I have <laughs> three, four, five. I have five. I have, I have, I have no five. idea. You're the one who played an instrument. Yeah, I have an, well, I play trombone. Um, I play trumpet. And I play both electric and acoustic guitar. Oh, well, you bring the trombone and the trumpet. He brings the guitar. And Go, God, three no. Pieces. No, I don't, I don't play publicly anymore. I used to be in a jazz we band. We got Lisa Marie down it. here to sing. It's, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I love my wife. I love my wife with all my heart. She is the greatest thing that has ever happened to me. But please, for the love of God, don't get her to sing. <laughs> it is not a good look. It is not her special talent. We'll she has do, many special talents. We'll do some kind of bluegrass, and then she can just do some twang. She could twang. I bet she could twang, but she can't sing. <laughs> we'll ease her into it. She's, uh, my daughter's got a good singing voice. My, me and my wife are a bit of a hot mess when it comes to that. So what are we talking about today? Seesaw. Oh, Seesaw. That's Seesaw. right. Uh, didn't we touch on this in the last episode? We kind of did. We dip a toe into it. Uh, yeah, we we hinted at it. Um, I don't. We didn't really dive too far into it though. Did I tell the story? Roughly, story. yeah, I did. Like so we a, get a hard border, not a hard border, a soft border. Like you're kind of like, oh, there's this thing that's happening, type stuff. Like, okay, should I get into it again, or should we skip past that? It's up to you. Well, I, I don't know. I just, I mean, this this yeah. whole season thing is interesting to me. Um, not just because it exists, but I do find it interesting that um, it, it feels like every time I turn around, they're making a new agency, um, whether it's a standalone or within another agency. But I had never, I mean, this is our industry. I had never heard of cybersecurity and infrastructure security agency. That's what CISA is, C-I-S-A. Um, and it actually led to an argument between me and Tyler because we work in CIS, which is a, a compliancy framework. Um, and uh, we were arguing, and I was like, CISA is not CIS. And he's like, yes, it is. And then he tried to punch me. But I pulled some cat-like reflexes, and I flipped over his head, and I put him in an arm. That's not true. He's much bigger than me. He would have destroyed me. Um, but um, <laughs> No, you didn't. <laughs> Look at him. <laughs> you never believed any of that. Um, but, uh, I mean, no, for those of you that didn't see the last episode, the reason this came up is and this is really wild to me, is this is a proactive government agency. I have never run into a proactive government agency. I should agency. say, what is a proactive government agency? They're literally out there looking for things that can hurt regular Americans. They're not out there, you know, looking to hurt regular Americans. They're not out there looking for things that can only hurt government. They're looking for things that can actually hurt American businesses. So the big one that we work with them on um, is uh, crypto Crypto lockers, lockers yeah. so hackers that that infiltrate companies and encrypt their files, which is a huge, huge security issue. It has been for probably the last decade. Um, it, it flares up, it goes away. It flares up, it goes away. Um, and they're working jointly with all the other alphabet soups, which also blows my mind because they never work jointly. No, not at all. At least not that I can tell. Maybe they do. I don't know. I don't work for the CIA. No, because it's bureaucratic. So no. Yeah. There's turf. It's a lot of CYA cover my rear. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I, he told me, he said that we're a, a specialized department. 
within Homeland Security, right? They're part of Homeland Security. I, I think, think so. so yeah. yeah, I think they're part of Homeland Security. And uh, he said, and what happens is all the other alphabet soups, the, uh, I don't know, the CIA, the FBI, the, the NIH, probably not the NIH, but you know, all of them, NSA. all of them that are NSA, all of them that are paying attention to chatter, collect information that seems useful about uh, hackers with bad intent. So let's say um, there's reliable intel that Jimmy, you own a company and your IP address and your website are going to be targeted. Um, and let's say that the CIA caught that, the CIA field office in Ukraine caught that from a known hacker group. Well, they're gonna submit it to their CIA heads, but they're also gonna put it into a report that gets combined with every other report of actionable intelligence that gets sent to these guys. And what these guys do is they look up that IP address of the victim, the potential victim, and they look up the owners and the board of directors and everybody else, and they call them. What? And yeah, say, here's what we found. They're going to take advantage of this exploit to infiltrate your network and deploy this. This They're planning on it. They're going to do it anytime now. So fix it. And they're proactively helping organizations in the United States, companies, nonprofits, whatever, not be victims. I, I don't know about you guys. Double thumbs up for me. Like, I don't rarely, the, the rare double thumbs up federal government from Craig Stoneha. Yeah, as I say, it kind of feels dirty to say good job government. You, you know, well, I mean, if you spend it, enough trillions of dollars, you'll eventually get something good. <laughs> one pebble in there. When you told me about it, I was I was kind of skeptical, but I was like, you know what? There's been so much bad news. Like, let's try to find some good news for a change. Right? I think this is good. And our and go ahead. So, well, like I looked at that girl, the Jen Esterly, right? You know, she's like ex-military intelligence. She's the one that's the no. Who's that? She, she heads up the CISA, right? She's the head of CISA. Oh, she's that. Yeah. Look, she's a director. Jen and I aren't friends yet. But I mean, I like her. Like if you watch her videos and stuff, like she, she just seems pretty like, you know, down to earth. Like, you know, she seems pretty sincere about like her, the objective. I just, I guess in the back of my mind think, well, you get somebody everybody likes in the beginning. And then in the end, when you take control of it, eventually, you know, you have some kind of, I won't get into that, but. I Man, she went full bird colonel in 2012. Yeah, and she's yeah. like I watched she's a lot of her impressive resume here. I've watched a lot of her videos just try to get a feel for like, you know, her character. I kind of like her. Nice. I, I think she's um it's pretty legit. Like I, you look see how they do the plans, like how you do, can do the scenarios. So they have all those they have um created all these outlines for you to to run um like tests on your business, right? Okay. Or, or if you, you remember, do you have that, those, that sheet I sent you? What sheet? Um, when did you send it? <laughs> I didn't see anything. The, uh, the, the, uh, the email that I sent with all those links it? in it um, last week, before uh, Sunday, I think. Last look, it's, it's time we tell them. We don't look at your emails. Oh, we have you spam filtered mm -hmm. out. Yeah. I, okay. So well, I mean, okay. well you if you go to the CISA webpage, then you can go to the mock. The, you can go to the mock um cyber attacks or the mock like scenarios so they'll they'll have like a shooting and they they have all these different scenarios that they'll walk you through uh um and you, you is it on their website on. yeah it's on their website if you go to uh is it this stuff um exercises exercises brother. exercise planning conduct support services let's see what it's got uh, let's see. Let me see if I can find my. Oh, click it. 
Let's see what happens. I'm gonna take control of your laptop. Okay, infrastructure, active shooter, complex core. Okay, yeah, they got a lot of stuff in here. Right, so then you can download. And for those of you that are just listening, watch. We've got the CISA (laughs) website up. It's giving us a ton of information on what Jimmy's talking about. Go ahead, Jimmy. So you can download these scenarios and run them. It's like a report, right? And then it will give you the scenario, how to respond. If you open one of them up, if you click on one of those links, Tyler, you can open one of the scenario. Go back to the uh, to the other list. One. Now, did you read any of the scenarios? Like, are they um, lo- are legitimately useful, or is it well, like it's, it's like it, it walks you through the scenario as if it's happening, and then you're you you'll have like all of your uh, management team there. But it's not like I mean, it's not like not hug links? the attacker no, and try to understand why no, he or no, she is frustrated. It's like you'll have to respond, right? So you'll have to. It'll walk you through like the you know as it's happening. We can do it after. Uh, We'll, we'll get it. After the break? Yeah, after the break. Yeah, all right, let's jump into some of that after the break. I, I think we should walk through a scenario or two because I kind of want to see. Look, I, I want to be very honest, and if any of the Laughing Rock employees are watching, we're not prepared at all. Like, let's hope nothing happens because it's going to be a lot of shoving coworkers in front of the bad actor and running the other direction. <laughs> we will eat each other alive. It'll be tragic. Well, you're probably not big enough to... Well, I don't know. I work out like I'm. Yeah. <laughs> like they might come no. after Tyler, but they're not going to come after a little guy like you. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Sorry, you made me snort, man. Yeah, he's like he's short and fat. Yeah, that's high. Yeah, fly under the radar in my my stocky George Costanza <laughs> body. <laughs> Can't stand you. Um. No, yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't think. I mean, I don't know. Are you ever too small to have a have a negative situation happen? I mean, if you've got a building and a and a door, something could go down. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Know. I mean, I, I I don't know. I mean, I, I think I personally am a fan of, and, and I work a lot with a local PD. But everybody should have at least some preparedness, and we do a little bit, but we don't do meetings. Like, we don't have a meetup at our corporate office, a meetup location. Like, we don't really have any of that. We have some very basic protocols. Um, now in our defense, our doors are always locked. Right. Um, so, you know, it's not like people can just walk in because of the nature of the business we do. We can't have open an open door policy. So I guess that's good. I don't know. I don't know. So like, I mean, well, I guess we want to talk about sensitive things. I guess it's really like network and stuff like, like what would. You mean digital. I mean, by, by getting into, by accessing your company database, I guess it's accessing. Oh, no. Other, well, actually, that's one of the companies. reasons we got connected with CISA was because based on the size, we are not a big company by like manufacturing standards or by, you know, huge like multinational conglomerate standards. But in our industry, we are considered very large. Um, the, the MSA, the uh, sorry, MSA, the um, M&A What's our industry? We're, um, our industry? Yeah. IT, information technology, MSP. MSP, thank you. Jeez, <laughs> the alphabet going. soup is killing me. Uh, in the MSP world. What's uh, MSP stand for? Uh, uh, sorry, uh, managed service provider. So, which is what we do, which means that we are a provider for IT for corporations, but we manage it remotely. So it's not... We're not break fix. We don't, you don't call us to fix things. We're in charge of your IT. You basically said, I don't want to have IT. You guys are my IT. Just take care of it and make sure I don't get in trouble. Um, that's what we do. So companies hand off their IT to us and we just do it. 
Uh, or we do co-managed, which means that they have some IT, but they need us to fill in the gaps because they don't want to have 100 employees in the IT department. How many, How's big is your largest customer? Um, I mean, the largest customer is a relative term because some customers that are smaller in employees are bigger in revenue, depending on what they're doing. Um, but we kind of live in the mid-market range where, I mean, our, our sweet spot is 50 to 100 people. It's kind of a really good spot for us. We have some that are in the hundreds. Uh, we have some that are in the, you know, maybe a dozen, one, you know, one to two dozen. But most of our clients are 40, 50, 75 people. Um, and that's, that's kind of a good spot for us. But um, the idea here is, is in our world, we're, we're a relatively large company. So the reason CISA first contacted us is because we showed up on their radar as having a security threat on our network. It was one of our internal databases, which is published to the web that we wrote internally on a Linux platform, um, had a patch that had just come out that we hadn't applied yet um, that made it susceptible for breach. And somebody saw that we had a Linux server posted to the web with that version of software that didn't have that patch on in another country and said, hey, here's one that we could possibly infiltrate. And that's how we showed up on their report. And because of our industry and because of our size, they called us immediately. So we got called within an hour of that report hitting, uh, hitting the internet. We got a phone call wow. because what we deal with is cybersecurity for other companies. So they see us as a as a hinge point, a focal point, where if we were to get breached, it could have had, you know, and it would not have because the way we've structured our system, there was no way. If you breached that particular database, you wouldn't have gotten anywhere. But they didn't know that. They didn't know that we had a very compartmentalized and protected environment. Um, they just knew that we showed up on a report and we are, we can't get breached. So they have us in a, in a they said there's nine tiers, I think, something like that, and we're number one. So it sounds ridiculous. But well, it's pretty cool. I mean. That's good I, to know I, somebody's I, got my back. I guess. Is it good or is it? I, I, do you, I thought what they did. Do you have room, a reason to be? concern like like what would be the concern somebody would have over it i mean for every everything i looked at mm -hmm. about the organization i i liked i do too i can't find i've, any never, I've never really like uh really felt that way about a government i can't even find any really negative press on them either they seem to do a really good job and no, they're and part of homeland security and homeland security gets a bad rap left and right but CISA seems to be run pretty tight i don't know I would feel better if they were a standalone organization. I mean, they're, they are standalone. They were just created by Homeland Security said, well, we need this. I think they fall under the Homeland Security umbrella, though, right? So if there's... I, from what I read, they just decided we need this and we need an organization to create this, like to be this, you know, entity. And then they they started up i don't really think it's actually a branch of homeland security from what it i read is. i could be wrong <clears throat> it's yeah, components yeah i see thank you i, I thought it was uh, um no i i am yet to find a, anything i don't like about this group a component yeah meaning it's a it falls under their umbrella okay it's not like um you have the justice department and then you have the individual pieces to that which i think dhs is part of correct and then this would be a yeah. further piece. I will say, though, 6,500 employees seems kind of crazy mm. for a subcategory of a category. I mean, I mean that's absurd. It's absurd. It would, yeah. uh, 6,500, I, mean, I, I would say somewhere in our county in Pennsylvania, I think the largest employer is like 10,000. So it would almost be 
the biggest company in an entire county. And not a small county. <laughs> <laughs> what are they doing? What's that? What are they doing? I don't know. I mean, if you think there's 50 states, I mean, maybe 100 people per state just to make phone calls and investigate potential breaches, maybe. You're already at 5,000. I don't know. I don't know. Am I am I stretching? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's probably a lot of people who just watch the printer. It's, well, I guarantee you that. It's government. <laughs> I mean, it's just... I mean, if there's one thing that Elon Musk buying X showed us, it is that you can cut half your staff once you get to a certain size and still be perfectly still be fine. fine. <laughs> <laughs> like he cut half the staff and nothing really changed. Everything was fine. <laughs> it's probably running better. It, that's what he says because it's actually running better. We got rid of the the people the, we didn't need. The bureaucratic slop. Just got out of the people that got work done. Yeah. So... I mean, and I would say for government, that's probably 80% you could cut. Yeah. And probably do just, probably get to do better. Yeah. So. so I guess that means you then see the uh, the stats. They did these stats here on cybersecurity, I thought it was pretty crazy. What's your, I, what I, link are you Cyber at? attacks. I have your links. Yeah. What link are you looking at? Sorry, we were kidding. We do read your emails. Oh, but it, you sent that one like three weeks ago. So yeah. a lot has happened since then. I apologize. She She said every 40 seconds. There's a cyber attack. No, I would have. Damages 10.5 trillion. I would have thought a successful cyber attack. Yeah, it's successful. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's successful. I I do, because I'll tell you right now, I I can pick any one client and they'll have more than that every every second. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So So a successful cyber attack. Well, I don't know. It said cyber attacks. I love. That's her there. Yeah. Is she wearing a. A nerd T-shirt with she a jacket over a it. T-shirt under her. Oh, that's face. funny. I, I think I have that T-shirt. If it's the one I think it is. No, I have I have nerd T-shirts too. I don't say that in a negative way. Um, in fact, they're my favorite T-shirts. <laughs> she she's estimating ten point five trillion in damages by twenty twenty five. Yeah, which I believe is why it. They've well, I mean, the stat that we use um, in our industry is. 80% of all businesses that have a successful cybersecurity breach are out of business within one year. That, well, it has to it has to lead to a downtime really of more than 24 hours. Yeah. But if it leads to a downtime of more than 24 hours, they will be out of business within one year. Wow. So just because at that point, if, if it's leading to that level of downtime, even once you get back up, you're, never, you're not fully back up. You're just patching it together to get people working and then it just, confidence is shaken and data's lost it, it's just it turns into a spiraling effect so most of them just don't survive it uh, but you would be shocked and this i don't have a stat for and maybe we should but how many companies we talk to that really are doing the bare minimum yeah they and just just i don't want to say don't care but it's one of those uh the burner's not hot until i touch it well you know what you know what they say all the time they say what jimmy said Oh, I'm small. They're not looking at me. They're not looking at me. They, yeah. they say that all the time, but you're wrong. You're the one they're looking at. They're not looking at IBM. They know they're locked down. They have an entire cybersecurity yep. division. They don't. The big guys are tough to break. If you're doing it for ego, yeah, you want to go try to hack the NSA. But if you want easy pickings, quick you know, money. Yeah, go hit the 15 employee, you know, engineering firm that you know that has John in accounting being their IT. Guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want to ask you a question. Yes, exactly. I want to ask you a question about that. So she she says uh, there'll be 3.5 million job vacancies by 2025. Like they will need to fill 3.5 million jobs. Who's who will? The, the hackers? Just just 
the jobs in security. Oh, in cybersecurity. Cybersecurity. Okay, gotcha. Will be lacking 3.5 million. It's a growing it's like, field, yeah. So, so there's that much demand for tech. Like it seems like everybody's going tech. Like so you, nobody does trades anymore. The trades people are disappearing. No, there's not that much demand for tech. It's it's. How do I put this? Um, doctors. Technology is like the medical field. Um, you do not go to a podiatrist when you have a heart problem. Okay, they're very specialized. A cybersecurity expert is not the same thing as a hardware expert, and that is not the same thing as a networking expert. So it's, don't don't look at it as tech. Tech is a such a massive umbrella; it means nothing. Look at it as cybersecurity experts. And within tech, I can tell you, most guys are not qualified to even touch cybersecurity. Really? Absolutely. Cybersecurity is a very unique field. At our company, there's only I'm the only one that's certified for cybersecurity. And I think there's only two of us that will even touch compliancy records. Mm -hmm. uh, me and our ops manager, nobody else really gets into it. Now, there's one guy that's looking to get certified in cybersecurity, and we have partners that are experts in cybersecurity. But as far as actual cybersecurity experts, that's a pretty large firm. We've only got two guys on staff who are certified. Why? Why is why is the people not want to do it? It's a very different mindset. Go ahead. Well, I'd say with tech at least what i see is everything is so specialized so you can be a generalist and know a little bit about everything but to be really good in cybersecurity, you have to be really good at you have to specialize in it uh, to have the depth of knowledge like do you have to know how to code no not necessarily there's different aspects within cybersecurity, just like there's different aspects within surgical or within cardiology and everything else and so once you get into cybersecurity, you can be a network security specialist you can be a desktop security specialist um you know you can be an internet security specialist you can be a coder where you're writing security software um but the problem is that most of vast majority of people that go into it come in with a trade mindset which is I have a computer, I built my own computer, I started out gaming, I like gaming, I like building my gaming computers, I wanna work with computers. And that's not what working with computers is. What working with computers is, 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 is from a career standpoint, from a corporate and from a government standpoint, is a much more complicated entity and it has nothing to do with your home PC. Uh, and quite honestly, I, I don't work on hardware at all. I, mean, I used to, back in the day, but um, I'd probably have the guys do hardware work for me because I'm so far removed from it. Um, because once you start specializing the stuff that you go into the field because you're exposed to first, turns out to be the least relevant. So what you find is you get a lot of guys that go in because they like computers, they like networking, they think it's cool, they get a quick degree, and that's what they want to do, and they never leave that safe space. So they never go into coding because it takes a whole other set of specialties. They never go into cybersecurity because it takes a whole other set of specialties. They never go into development. They never go into uh, collaboration. They never go into all these other verticals within the, the field because you're gonna have to go back to school. You're gonna have to get more certs. You're gonna have to um, you know, recommit to something that you just finished committing to. And, and a lot of these guys don't want to. They just wanna play with tech. <laughs> so, yeah. so you end up, the higher you get into these things, the less people you have, they filter themselves out. Does that make sense? Did I do that well? Yeah, that was perfect. Okay. So, so what's the day in the life of a cybersecurity guy? So, like, it's <laughs> boring as crap. <laughs> a hardware guy wouldn't do software and wouldn't do no computers. Like, Rare, it's rarely. that niche. Yes. That you hardware guys. I've never known a hardware guy to write software. Well, what do you do? Have with you? No. They How never do. do, do what do you do with hardware as a as a cybersecurity 
Uh, you really, I mean, obviously you've got um, edge appliances, firewalls, you've got security appliances, you have things that you're going to put on a network. But as we've gone to the cloud, these things have become almost passe. So what we do from a hardware standpoint now at a cloud environment, like at Google or at Microsoft Azure or at Amazon AWS, they're going to be dominating the hardware market from a cloud standpoint. They're going to be putting physical and virtual security appliances in play. They're going to be deploying software packages and hardware um, hardware firewalls and everything else. And you're going to be basically leasing space on their networks. As, as that happens more and more, the need for an individual office to have those things, especially as people work from home, smaller and smaller and smaller. So the hardware requirements in cybersecurity are becoming less relevant by the day. But software is becoming more relevant. So if you've got 50 employees and half of them work from home, you need to protect all of those home endpoints that you have no hardware on. Maybe they're using their own laptop. Maybe they're just connected to a, a Linksys modem that they bought from Best Buy. You know, you don't really know what's going on there, but you still got to protect it because you can't let that person working from home infect the rest of your network. So now software security becomes far more relevant. So you need to lock that user down without having complete control over hardware environment. So hardware's on the way out, buddy. So day in the life of a software uh, cybersecurity guy, what is it, just installing programs on, on computers? And I mean, you don't sit around and monitor, do you sit around no, and monitor stuff? Yes, most of it's monitoring. So you just sit and watch so for it's, things to happen. No, you're gonna you're gonna write software that's gonna sit and watch for things to happen. Mostly, okay. what you're doing is responding to alerts. Okay. So you're gonna write software that goes out. So we manage thousands of endpoints, right? Mm -hmm. So within our EDR environment, our, our endpoint disaster and recovery endpoint, our, our detection and, and detection and response. Sorry. Yeah, you're good. I know. I was thinking disaster recovery. <laughs> um, within our endpoint uh, detection and response environment. We have alerts that are designed for all of this software that's running on all of these endpoints all over the, the country. And what it's looking for is heuristic patterns, basically trends within the software that alerts it to uh, a bad actor doing something. So for example, all of a sudden, your files start being encrypted on your computer, but you've never encrypted your files before. Even if it is you encrypting your files because you decided you wanted to take a serious approach to security on your laptop, we're gonna get notified because this is abnormal behavior. Um, and then the cyber, the security experts job is to action on that. Confirm. Is it you? What are you doing? How are you securing these files? Are there corporate files included in that security? If so, what is the decryption key? You need to send that to us because in the event that you lose control of your environment, we need to be able to, to address it and deal with it on behalf of the corporation. Or, you know, if it has nothing to do with corporate data, that's fine. Then we don't need to worry about it. But this is what they're looking for. And they're, they're hunting through a stack of needles for that one needle that is. So you have one person uh, designated that's receiving those responses? No, no, we have or... lots of people doing that. Okay. So in that environment, that's more of a general tech. Okay. They're not working in cybersecurity. So um, what I mean when I say dedicated cybersecurity experts, what I'm doing is actual compliancy reviews. So I will work with, like, for example, a couple of weeks ago, we had a client who signed a big deal with Paramount. Well, Paramount needs to share stock photography. They need to share imagery from televisions and, and programs and movies. Um, they need to share logos and all these other things with this client in order to get the projects they contracted them for done. 
So they need to make sure that nobody has access to this data that is now going to be shared onto these people's network. So they have, I don't know, I didn't share it with you, but I'd say probably 400 and 425 questions that I had to go through one by one and review it, apply it to the network of the end, the end customer. And these are not clear, it's not like, is your beard gray? And you're like, eh, yeah, kind of, it kind is. Kind of peppered. No, it's gray. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, they're very abstract <laughs> questions. So then you have to sit down and there's no clear yes or no answer, but you must answer yes. So now you need to start going and you need to start understanding the intent. So this is where it gets really complicated in the cybersecurity world. You have to understand the potential threats to understand the intent in order to be able to answer as honestly as possible without unintentionally sabotaging your results and querying a deal for the client. So it becomes this tightrope walk where you have to interface with the client, you have to interface with the company that's demanding these answers, and you have to make sure that everything mashes up in a way that everybody's comfortable, even though you know that some of those answers are a little bit loose, but you know the intent and you gotta confirm the intent and it's a mess. Um, and if you say the wrong things, you have to know the, the nomenclature. Because saying the wrong word could cost somebody a $50 million deal. So you, your, your word choice matters. This is part of why it's important to make sure that you're you're doing all of the classes and you're up on the, the terminology because different words mean different things in different industries. And trust me, in the cybersecurity world, words have totally different meanings. I mean, mm -hmm. in so many ways. <laughs> like it's like it, bite. I, I, well, I mean, but yeah, in the IT world, yeah, we'd love yeah. to make up words that are ridiculous. But in cybersecurity, <laughs> it's, it's times 10. I mean, I go like Tyler and I got an argument because CIS is a compliancy <laughs> and CISA is an agency and that one a caused an argument. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, so everybody was right. Everybody was right. Okay. And I, I was wrong. Nah, you're fine. I, admit it. I, was wrong. Um, <laughs> I just added an A to the CIS cause I thought it sounded good. It did. You had me questioning myself for a second. Um, but no, I mean, I don't know. I know it's nerd. It's, we got into nerd stuff and this is my stuff, but it's relevant. I mean, if we're going to talk about CISA, we're going to get into this in more yeah. detail. I mean, that cybersecurity it's world, interesting. and it's massive. I mean, I don't know if I can explain to you how big the cybersecurity world is. How much, before we go to break here, uh, what's the size annually of black hat hacker revenue globally? What's the size of hacker revenue on a planetary basis? Not, not an individual black hat hacker. I want to talk about uh, what's the size of the uh, illegal hacking gross domestic product, whatever you want to call it. How much do hackers make annually globally? Yeah. Uh, so in last year's crypto crime report, we wrote about how decentralized finance protocols. This is just cryptocurrency stolen. This is just cryptocurrency stolen. It's 3.1 billion. 1. Yeah. So now you got to understand most of these hackers, this is not, you know, these are not wealthy people doing this. These are for the most part, this is somebody, you know, in a poor country, not making much money. And, uh, you know, you can make a lot of money hacking. Yeah. Stealing I mean, from grandmas in the United States. Yep. There's entire... That's like an industry in certain countries. Um, India is a big one. India is a huge one. Black they have hat, a front hat, business. 
hacking is like sending out like phishing it's stuff yeah it's i mean it's anything gathering information trying to get people to click on links it's hijacking a browser and saying you must call microsoft now and then it's not microsoft's number you're calling (laughs) yeah if my dad would just stop falling for that one. A lot of people fall for it. I mean, but his son, my, yeah, my why mom. is he calling the fake Microsoft? <laughs> my mom he's done it twice too, yeah. now. Twice. And I know he's not watching this because he doesn't know how to work a podcast. So I can say this, <laughs> but his own, he had free unlimited lifetime IT support, but he still calls the fake Microsoft number. <laughs> so infuriating. Drives me nuts. Damn it. Sorry, Dad, if you're watching. I well, sometimes you just you just have to be able to trust the companies you're working with, right? No, you never trust Bill Gates. <laughs> what? Well, why would I call Laughing Rock when I can call Microsoft? Because he used to spank the owner of Laughing Rock. It's <laughs> a healthy dose, healthy dose of fear there. Like I, he owes you. Don't mess up. He might hit me. Accept my free. Accept <laughs> my free tech security, Dad. Damn it. <laughs> No, it's purely selfish on my part. I just don't want to have to clean up after he gets totally hacked. And then we have to rip his whole network apart and clean everything up. All right, do we have any final questions here before we go to break? Because I feel like we got off on a tangent, but I think it was a good tangent. I think we covered some good stuff. I like that. I think that's the first time we actually talked about Laughing Rock in quite a long time. Yeah, we really don't talk about Laughing Rock. We sponsored the show. Well, yeah. Like n- normally speaking, nerding out about a cybersecurity company is not great for ratings. <laughs> so, you know, I think it was interesting. It it's interesting. It's 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 one of those things. It's remarkably boring to do. Like if I showed you one of these, and I we've gone through compliance episode before, yeah. and I've I've shown compliance reports, and I've shown little ones. If I showed you one of these big compliance reports, you would start bleeding from the eyes. You know, thirty minutes in, it's just it's torturous, but it's specialized. Like I, most people would not know what to do with these things. So, and it's, it's like anything else, you know, you've got specialized talents. You've got special, we spent the whole opening of the show talking about your many specialized talents. Um, it's important to have a specialized talent. Um, I don't know. So it's, it's boring, but it's interesting. Mm. I see. Did you have any more questions? Probably. Well, why don't we take a break? You think about them. And uh, you'll, Tyler will probably come up with another hobby. So, and uh, we'll <laughs> shut down this, this segment and uh, hope everybody learned something today. And thank you so much for joining us. And we'll be back next week with the second half of this episode um, where we'll find Jimmy's emails and actually read them. So, rock on. <laughs> have a great night, everybody. The Broken Agenda Podcast. Sponsored by Laughing Rock Technology.